your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Locked On Jets will also be joining YouTube in the very near future, so be sure to look out for all of our video content. Following and subscribing is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode, but more than anything, we just love and appreciate your support. On tonight's podcast, it is time to talk about Winnipeg versus Vancouver, and (sighs) this is going to be a tough one, folks, because the Jets had a really, really rough outing. After we kind of go through the game, we'll talk about what exactly transpired and went wrong for the Jets, and ultimately, where the team goes from here. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i not going to say that this is the absolute rock bottom, but it's, it's not great, folks. The first period didn't seem like it was going to be that much of a problem. You know, the Jets were doing okay. I, I wouldn't say that they were amazing. They were creating some decent scoring opportunities. Spencer Martin in net was doing a great job of keeping... Winnipeg a little bit off balance. Spencer is this guy who I didn't think really had much of an NHL shot, but then somehow, thanks to COVID and injuries, found his way all the way up to the Canucks roster and is actually starting for at least a couple of games until Yaroslav Halak recovers from COVID. But also, you know, he has like a $1.5 million cap hit if he plays something like 10 games off of a bonus, and that cap hit would be applied next year. So, Spencer might actually be manning the net for the near uh, present and maybe even longer-term future as their backup. Over the past couple of games, he's been stonewalling teams, so I wasn't really expecting the Jets to do a lot. Winnipeg is actually scoring very few goals relative to expectations, and as much as they've created in the slot and stuff, they haven't really been able to actually find great penetration behind strong goaltending. At least through the first few minutes, though, the Jets were relatively out shooting Vancouver, and it seemed like, you know, maybe the Jets would actually scratch one out, things would be a little bit okay, maybe Winnipeg could get that first goal, get things going, and at least feel a little bit more confident. I think right now this team just has a bit of trouble feeling things out and being comfortable with the way that things are progressing, but unfortunately, after some missed calls on the Jets, there was a penalty assessed to Vili Heinola, and Heinola really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he was just sort of in the crease. He wasn't really cross-checking anyone, but because one of the uh, Canucks players went down on the ice, you know, thanks to tangling up in Billy's stick, it was called a cross-checking even though there was no actual trip or cross-checking at all. One of the infamous makeup calls, as you will. And then, you know, just seconds into the power play, JT Miller scored, and just like that, Winnipeg was already down. After that, Vancouver began to take control of that first period. You know, it was around the 13th minute that JT Miller scored the first of his goals. And I did say goals. You you kind of guess what happens from there. But, you know, he scored it, you know, and, and, and Winnipeg, they were chasing the game now, and it felt like they've been chasing the game for weeks. 
But, you know, all isn't lost. About two minutes later, Andrew Kopp had a weird goal that he sort of batted in. This one came off of a nice counter. Wasn't really expected, but Dubois fed Wheeler in the center of the ice. And Wheeler, I don't know if he was actually intending to do this or not, but he elevated his pass enough to get over some sticks, and it just sort of floated enough for Kopp to be there at the short side and just sort of bat it home like he was a, a softball player. It's not something that you see very often. His form, everyone called like bunting, really, because he sort of held out his stick and just sort of, uh, well, bunted the puck in, I guess you could say. A bit unconventional, but it was a, a lifeline. Now, one thing you did notice was in that whole sequence after they were celebrating the goal, it just kind of felt a little bit muted. You know, it, it, it wasn't as lively as I was expecting. The guys just seemed to feel, I guess, a little bit of relief, which... I think the mood with this team right now is pretty poor. I mean, losing tends to have that effect, right? You get tired, you're you're feeling agitated, and you're frustrated. But it just sucks to see the team kind of down in the dumps. You know, this is a squad that came into the season with so much promise, and then, you know, 40 games into the season, it's been an unmitigated disaster. Everything that the Jets had planned for has basically gone up in smoke. Winnipeg is very much on the outside looking in at the playoffs. And sure, you know, they could go on some kind of a run during this uh, February homestand that's upcoming, but let's be honest, this team isn't going anywhere, and it kind of starts with Hellebuck. Uh, I think Hellebuck hasn't been as sharp as he usually is, and I think, unfortunately, these past few games have shown Winnipeg what it would be like if Hellebuck hadn't been playing out of his mind over the last three or four years. The first goal, I, I don't know if I super fault him for, but it wasn't great. I just feel like Winnipeg's crease-clearing ability and stuff hasn't been great, and some of the shots that Hellebuck has typically stopped have gotten through him. So it is what it is. You know, JT Miller's a very talented forward. That uh, Canucks power play is pretty decent. You know, you've got Besser, Petrosian, Miller, Hughes, a very talented cast of players that, you know, under Travis Green and the previous regime really was struggling to find any sort of consistency but you know under Bruce Boudreaux the team still doesn't play great hockey but at least they seem livelier they seem happier everyone is is more on the same page and they're definitely getting some great shooting percentages and some great goaltending so things are trending up for the Canucks I don't think the team itself is actually great I think all of the stuff that Benning kind of did with this team is still very evident but at the very least, they look a lot more cohesive, a lot happier, and it's kind of like the thing that you were hoping Dave Lowry was going to do with the Jets, and that just really hasn't come to pass. I know people want to give time to the new guy and, and give coaching staffs that just come in the benefit of the doubt, but I think the reality with Dave Lowry so far is he's not really doing anything I didn't expect, which means he's hewing pretty close to the playbook that Paul Maurice established, in a lot of areas, he's actually a lot worse because he lacks that NHL experience, and the way that he coaches isn't that dissimilar from what you might see at a, a more junior level or like a minor league team. The step up from being an assistant coach to an NHL manager with no real uh, head coaching experience at this level is pretty darn significant, so I'm not surprised that Lowry has maybe struggled to get things going. Um, unfortunately for Dave, the periods that followed afterwards, they're not going to make his life any easier. We'll talk about what transpired in just a moment, but before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bars on the market. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. 
Bill Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Vancouver and after an okay-ish first period, the wheels started falling off and falling off in a pretty big way. This Canucks team, which really isn't all that good, had started outplaying the Jets from the end of the first period on. I feel like the uh, the cop goal didn't really stop what was ultimately a bit of a tie-turning event for Vancouver. I don't know what it was that sort of sparked them to start hemming the Jets in and keeping Winnipeg completely off balance, but the Jets spent so much time inside their defensive zone that... I don't really feel Winnipeg was actually able to create much at the other end. Not until later in the game, at least. Um, and while the Jets did actually have a pretty decent-looking shot clock and, and shot counter, I don't know how dangerous it was relative to what Vancouver was doing. Because it felt like every time Vancouver had a decent counter, they were getting right to the slot. And in this period, JT Miller scored twice, and it felt like in both instances, one of them was a slightly weaker goal that I would have liked Hellebuck to have between his pads. Uh, but... The other one, I thought he was living in the crease. It just seems like this is a team that had a plan to pressure Winnipeg in the spaces and keep the Jets from making clean zone exits, which Winnipeg more than obliges because the Jets just do not really make great exits no matter what. It doesn't matter if they have new, younger players who are, are very skilled and can usually do this with ease. It feels like the instructions that they're given just don't really work, and it's part of the reason why I think this team continues to struggle as much as it does. Miller really should not have had as much space to pick his angles and shoot as he did, and, and yet the Jets just sort of looked a little bit disorganized defensively. Guys weren't really marking where they were supposed to, or if they were, they weren't really doing it all that well. The weird mix of zone and man is still kind of there, so defensively the Jets' schemes aren't really that great. And I think Hellebuck honestly wouldn't be happy with the angles that he was conceding, especially the third goal that gave JT Miller his hat trick. I think Hellebuck would have loved to have that one back, but... You know, this guy can't keep putting up Vezina numbers every year. I think that sort of expectation is just ridiculous. And for the Jets to have leaned on it for so long without really making adjustments to the core aspects of this team, as well as the coaching staff, for me, it's really starting to get exposed right now when the Jets are struggling. And I, I think Hellebuck suddenly looking a little more mortal than usual is, is putting Winnipeg in a really tough spot because the rest of the team kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it sucks, but it's just not good enough. I, I hate using the word suck because I think with this team, it sort of discounts the effort, but that's kind of where the Jets are. I think Winnipeg is really trying to put more effort into it and, and certainly follow the instructions that they're given, but if the instructions are simply insufficient, then whatever you're doing out there really isn't going to matter. 
The only guy that I've consistently been impressed with has probably been Cole Perfetti. I feel like he's tried to make lemonade out of rotten lemons consistently. I mean, you know, despite the Jets struggling offensively as much as they are, Perfetti has been one of the brighter spots. And even if this season is totally lost, at least Perfetti is going to cement himself in the top six, which can only be good for the Jets down the road. And I, I did see somebody ask, you know, is this a waste of his ELC year? Well, I think on the face of it, maybe you would say that, but the reality is because he's a young rookie, because he's just getting acclimated to the NHL level, his first year or two might actually have depressed point totals. And so when he's looking for that big first contract extension, it's not going to have the same dollar number that it might if the Jets were to keep sliding it and Perfetti was a little bit more physically mature. Right now, he's still kind of getting to grips with the NHL, and I think this is the best way for him to acclimate to this league. The only way for him to get better is to continue playing at this level, continue getting used to it, and yeah, his points totals will start to climb year over year, but if you start really early, at least for the Jets, it should make the negotiations a little bit cheaper compared to what it might be a couple years down the road. And honestly, I just think Perfetti gives the Jets fans something to watch and hope for. I mean, what else is there to really enjoy about this team right now? It's it's rough. The defense is a trash fire. Um, the forward unit is extremely shallow past the first couple of lines. The coaching staff doesn't really seem to have a great idea of how to manage this roster and get it back on track. The team is now 0-4-2 in its last six games and continues to fall out of the playoff race. The Jets, I gotta be honest, they're in dire straits, and I think... You know, we're, we're looking at the point now where the Jets don't really have any room uh, for error. I think this is the most margin they were given, and they have now uh, taken full advantage, I guess you could say. They are, you know, I think they're basically out of the playoffs, especially the race for it, where they need to be at least in the mix right now, and they're just not. This team does not seem to have the ability to find a way to win. Not right now, not as it is constructed, and unless something really drastic changes... I think we're just going to see them continue to slide out. As for the rest of the game, you know, Brock Besser added a power play goal in the third period. Pedershone also scored a fifth before the end of regulation. So, yeah, a, a very disappointing 5-1 loss. And I think if you're looking at this season and wondering what exactly comes next, the answer is I don't really know. I, I think that there's a lot that could happen, uh, but I don't really see a scenario where the Jets are making the playoffs. And so in just a little bit, I'll talk about you know, what Winnipeg's focus should be. I think that there are a couple of things they can do to prepare for next season and ultimately the years to come because this right now is an extremely pivotal trade deadline and offseason for the Jets. I think everything kind of hinges on the very important decisions that they make with the roster, and it could ultimately shape the destiny of the Jets for the next five to ten years. I'm not trying to be like super hyperbolic about this, but given how rare it is for the Jets to be aggressive in moves, I think it's appropriate to say it. We'll talk about what all of this may look like in just a little bit, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, finishing out our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Vancouver. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are wondering, what is the path ahead for the Jets? And I got to be honest, I don't think it's going to be fun. You know, the team is going to try and pull things back together, but at some point, come trade deadline, they're going to be selling some guys. I think that's the only path forward. I think the Jets have definitely realized there's not really a chance for them to get back into the season. You know, even if they do, what happens then? You know, they make the playoffs. What then? They swept the Oilers on the back of Hellebuck being amazing, but you can't really uh, rely on Hellebuck being that level of good again this year. As soon as they faced Montreal last year, the Jets got exposed. And, you know, the Habs... As, as great of a cup final run as that was, they weren't nearly as good as people were uh, honestly believing them to be. And I think this year has kind of exposed that too. This Jets team, I, I don't think it's horrible, but I also don't think it's good. You know, Winnipeg is kind of in that mushy middle that's honestly like hockey purgatory for most teams. This is that territory where you're neither really young nor really old. You're just kind of there in the middle. Uh, you're not good enough to be much more than a 500 team, but you're also not bad enough to be completely tanking, right? So you're looking at more like a 10 to 15 uh, range first round pick. I think Winnipeg actually should just start selling assets and taking a look at the young prospects because this team frankly does need to get younger and faster. As it is, you know, a lot of the team speed comes down to like three players and that's just not enough. The back end is too uh, slow and too passive you know, there's an over-reliance on guys who are maybe not great at penalty killing and stuff. The The forward unit definitely lacks some elite foot speed, and you can only get some of that through, like, the draft. But in other situations, I think the Jets actually have players inside their own system that they could make better use of. Once you move Cobb and Stastny and maybe one or two other players who probably could get a chance somewhere else to really have an impact and honestly go on a deeper playoff run... The Jets are going to have quite a few openings, and the team's going to be bad, I will be honest. The absence of Cop is going to be super noticeable, especially in that top six. Um, you know, Stastny has also been a really good supporting cast member, and even though he might not be at his best anymore, he can still play a nice third-line role for some quality team, so he's going to be missed. Uh, if we move Brendan Dillon, that defense is probably going to be... You know, it's it's not great right now, but it might be a little bit worse. I think Brendan has been okay, but nothing outstanding. And given his cap hit and what the Jets have in somebody like Dylan Sandberg, I don't think Dylan really fits in the long-term picture. And maybe the Jets kind of try to figure out if Nate Schmidt is somebody that they want to keep around. I don't know if Nate really could be traded again, but if the Jets were to get really aggressive and start shopping him, maybe they would take a, a discount on him. I don't know that that's possible, but I just don't know if Schmidt is really going to fit in by the time the Jets actually select a new coach that would play his kind of game. Nate isn't a spring chicken anymore, and while I do really like him and think he has a lot of very useful traits on this team and the way it plays, he's kind of a fish out of water. So 
I don't know what to do with him, to be honest. I really wish this team had a coaching system that more favored his skill sets. I think a guy like Heinle would actually thrive under the same kind of system, but right now, things just aren't really ideal. So he's one player who could probably come back next year, and I think it would be all right to wait and see if he can find a coaching staff that can take advantage of his skill sets. But ultimately, I think aside from the roster itself, I I think that the front office probably just needs to be cleaned. You know, as it is, this team is too mediocre. I think everyone who's been a part of it has done an okay enough job, but there's a level at which you do have to start, you know, demanding and and accepting results that are actually favorable and, and kind of figuring out how to work around issues. Right now, the Jets are mired in some really bad years, and it hasn't improved at all, so... I, I'm honestly okay with moving on from Chevy. I was okay after all of the um, Kyle Beach stuff came out. I'm still okay with it now if he were to leave. But also look at the supporting coaching staffs as well. You know, who really should be sticking around? Is Charlie Huddy actually uh, in, like an NHL caliber defensive coach? I have a hard time seeing how, but somehow the Jets have kept paying him. So it is what it is. This team has a lot of unanswered questions. I think they're going to continue to struggle this year, probably fall below uh, the playoff line by a pretty fair margin. They're already below it now, and it doesn't seem like they're on the path to catching up. Be sure to tell me what you would do with the Jets at HL Living Local and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Let me know your thoughts, frustrations, feelings. Maybe you don't agree with me at all. Tell me on Twitter, and maybe I'll talk about it on a future episode. But for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make Locked On Bets your second listen, your number one stop for all of your online betting needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice today. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!